Good morning. Breaking news. Turbulence. The new 5G cell service rolls out overnight and forces some flights to cancel already, even after that last-minute deal between the airlines and the cell carriers to delay launch near some airports. I understand why the cell phone companies be upset. They spent billions of dollars, but you know what? That's not my problem. This morning, an inside look at the safety concerns, the blame game, and the impact on passengers. Hitting reset, President Biden holding a rare news conference today to mark one year in office, facing serious questions about his agenda and influence in Washington, the administration's response to the pandemic, rising inflation, and escalating tensions on the world stage. A live report from the White House straight ahead. Arctic blast, another round of frigid temperatures across much of the country, spreading from the Rockies all the way to New England as parts of the South brace for more snow and ice. Al's got your full forecast. Grief and anger in Los Angeles, a suspect identified overnight in the stunning murder of a grad student, her heartbroken father speaking out. It's just not right. We have to put a stop to this. And in New York, an emotional vigil for a woman pushed to her death in front of a subway train. Just ahead, the urgent calls for action to deal with increasing crime rates and homelessness in major cities from coast to coast. All that plus legend lost fashion icon Andre Leon Talley, Vogue's first African-American creative director, has died. This morning, the tribute's pouring in as we look back at his groundbreaking life and legacy. And back on track. The beloved Jamaican bobsled team qualifies for its first Winter Olympics in 24 years. And join us for an exclusive interview as the world gets set for the long-awaited return of cool runnings today, Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. It is Wednesday morning. It is so nice to be here. Can is I just say you? it again? It yes, is you're so here. nice good. to be here. Finally, so testing negative and oh, feeling good. And I it's mean, just nice to be with everybody. Yeah, we've been waiting patiently for you. So happy you're right back where you belong. Well, we've got a lot to get yeah. to this morning, too, including President Biden's news conference later today. Marks his first year in office. And it comes with him facing several major challenges here and abroad. Yeah, that includes the Ukraine, where more than 100,000 Russian troops are positioned along the border this morning amid concerns an attack is all but imminent. That was the word from the White House yesterday. And here at home, there are new measures in the battle against the coronavirus. The White House has launched a new website to provide free at-home COVID tests. And hundreds of millions of N95 masks are now available as well. We've got it covered from the White House to Ukraine. But we are going to start with the nation's two largest wireless carriers flipping the on switch for 5G overnight. And that rollout did include a temporary delay for the second time this month with AT&T and Verizon Pressing pause at some airports. NBC's Tom Costello is on the story. He joins us from Reagan National this morning. Hi, Tom. Morning. Yes, Savannah, good morning. So, you know, we have seen these two industries really at each other for months now, the aviation industry and the cell phone industry. The aviation industry concerned that 5G could interfere with critical cockpit technology. The cell phone industry saying that concern is completely overblown. 5G has proven to be safe in countries all over the world. But now the cell phone industry has blinked 5G not going live at most airports around the country. 
Fifth generation or 5G cell service is officially here this morning for millions of Americans, with AT&T and Verizon launching their ultra high speed networks overnight after reaching a last minute deal with the nation's airline industry. Both companies say they'll temporarily limit or delay their 5G towers that are located near some airports. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think uh, I, I think as we work together, we'll get we'll get to the right place. For months, the airline industry and aviation experts have warned of massive disruptions to travelers and the supply chain. At issue, the frequency used by Verizon and AT&T's 5G networks and the potential it could interfere with a plane's altimeter. So concerning, the FAA actually told pilots not to rely on altimeters at more than 80 airports near 5G sites. 50, 40. Altimeters bounce a signal off the ground to let pilots know their precise distance to the ground. Critical for landing and essential when doing so in bad weather. Certainly uh, minimizing flight disruptions, uh, ensuring uh, safety in travel is a, is a top priority. On Tuesday, the White House thanked the cell phone companies for their cooperation, with President Biden calling the expansion of 5G a priority and a massive step in the right direction. But the agreement follows years of political infighting involving the FCC, the FAA, cell phone companies, airlines, and two presidential administrations, all with competing agendas. Both Verizon and AT&T, which say they acted voluntarily, blamed the FAA for not resolving the issue ahead of their launches. AT&T, in a statement writing, we are frustrated by the FAA's inability to do what nearly 40 countries have done, which is to safely deploy 5G technology without disrupting aviation services. Are you relieved? Relieved is a word. It's unnecessary. This deadline was commercially driven. I understand why the cell phone companies be upset. They spent billions of dollars. But you know what? That's not my problem. So, Tom, 5G was paused around some of the airports, but there are still some foreign airlines that are canceling flights. So why is that? Yeah, some international carriers are still concerned about 5G, specifically with the Boeing 777. And 5G is still live, of course, over most of the country. And the concern is any impact as they fly over those cities into airports, Hoda. A day before he marks one year in office, President Biden will hold his first news conference of 2022 later today. And it comes at a time of many challenges facing his administration and his agenda here and abroad. NBC's Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander joins us with more. Peter, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. When the president takes reporters' questions today, it will be only the second solo news conference here at the White House since he took office with so many issues to be addressed. And it comes at a critical time for President Biden, facing disappointment even from some allies. And with aides here telling NBC News they are eyeing a communications reset, looking to present the president more as a leader than legislator. So help you God. So help me God. One year since taking the helm as the nation's 46th president, Joe Biden is trying to right the ship with his job approval rating sinking and his legislative agenda in peril. Looming over all of it, a relentless pandemic with no end in sight, despite the president's promise to defeat the COVID crisis. We're closer than ever to declaring our independence from this deadly virus. While the White House has succeeded in getting more than 200 million Americans fully vaccinated, the Supreme Court just blocked its vaccine or test mandate for large employers, and major COVID testing shortages have left the administration appearing flat-footed. I know this remains frustrating. Believe me, it's frustrating to me. But we're making improvements. 
The president's legislative priorities may have been too ambitious for an evenly divided Senate. His signature achievement, nearly $2 trillion in COVID relief, passed without a single Republican vote. And the two parties agreed to back another trillion for infrastructure. But the president's Build Back Better bill has stalled, much like his effort to pass new federal voting rights protections. I will not yield. I will not flinch. I will defend the right to vote. With Republicans united in opposition and the president unable to unite his party. Two moderates, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, the key holdouts. Thank you. On the economy, unemployment has plunged and the markets are booming, but record inflation and supply chain backlogs keep taking a heavy toll. Under President Biden, the U.S. rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement. And as Commander-in-Chief, he kept his pledge to end America's longest war in Afghanistan. We'll do it responsibly, deliberately and safely. But that exit quickly devolved into chaos with the Taliban's swift takeover and the loss of 13 American lives. The president still grappling with a rising China and an aggressive Russia, again threatening its neighbor, Ukraine. And recent polling shows more than 7 in 10 Americans think the country is on the wrong track. So the president has his work cut out for him today and in the months ahead, Savannah. Another topic before I let you go, Peter, former President Trump and this New York State Attorney General's investigation into his yeah. business and real developments there. What can you tell us? Yeah, that's right. The New York Attorney General Letitia James is part of an ongoing investigation, says that she has uncovered, quote, significant evidence suggesting that former President Trump and the Trump Organization, including two of Mr. Trump's children, Ivanka and Don Jr., inflated and misrepresented the value of several Trump properties and the Trump brand of banks and insurance firms. James says her office has not made a decision, a final one yet, at whether it merits legal action. In a new statement this morning, the Trump org says James's allegations are baseless and will be vigorously defended. Savannah. All right, Peter, thank you. And of course, NBC News will bring you live coverage of today's presidential news conference on many of these NBC stations. And tomorrow on today, we will be joined live by Vice President Kamala Harris getting her take on the administration's first year and the goals as year two begins. Now to the ongoing battle against COVID and the Omicron surge. This morning, Americans are being armed with new help and hope. The government launching a new website to provide free at-home COVID tests for every household and 400 million N95 masks are available as well. That's the largest deployment of personal protective equipment in U.S. history. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez has the very latest. Hey, Gabe, good morning. Hoda, good morning. Breaking overnight, that announcement that hundreds of millions of those higher quality masks will be sent to tens of thousands of locations across the country. And the White House says they'll start to be available late next week. A day after its soft launch, the Biden administration is officially rolling out its new website for free at-home COVID tests. On covidtest.gov, each household can order up to four tests that should ship in 7 to 12 days. NBC's Jolene Kent spoke with the administration's senior advisor on testing. How concerned are you that that's going to be too late for Omicron? Well, we want to emphasize that these tests are, are not the only channel for testing in America. The website launching a day early as part of the federal government's half a billion at-home rapid tests into the hands of the public. We can't guarantee there won't be a bug or two. And that was the case for some Americans who signed up from apartment buildings or multi-unit homes sharing error messages on social media. An error that came up saying, oh, this address has already ordered COVID tests. A spokesperson for the Postal Service saying this is occurring in a small percentage of orders. 
The effort comes as Omicron surge sent millions in search of at-home kits, often in short supply. The Biden administration says it will also make high-quality masks available at no cost, announcing its plan to send 400 million non-surgical N95 masks from the national stockpile to local pharmacies and community centers. All this as Omicron now accounts for 99.5% of COVID cases in the U.S. New cases up just 23% in New York and New Jersey over the last two weeks, and actually decreasing by 43% in Washington, D.C. But in California, cases are 316% higher, up 247% in Oregon, and almost as much in Arizona. Nationwide, also a dangerous spike in new cases in children, nearly a million testing positive just last week, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. A surge leading to staffing shortages and overwhelming hospitals, where some healthcare workers say it's hard to see the end of this wave. That's awful. We've seen younger and younger people doing worse and worse. And as for the free at-home tests, in addition to the website, there'll also be a phone number where you can order them. And importantly, since they go out in seven to 12 days, you'll need to order them before you need them, Hoda. All right, thank you so much, Gabe. Lots more to get to this morning. Chanel's in for Craig this morning. Hi Good there. Morning. Morning. To you both. Yes, one issue the president is sure to be asked about at that news conference today, rising tensions with Russia over a possible Russian invasion of Ukraine. And overnight, Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived in Ukraine's capital for a high-stakes round of meetings. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel is in Kiev for us. Richard, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Chanel. Secretary Blinken is here this morning meeting with a variety of Ukrainian officials. Then he travels to Germany and then again on Friday goes to Geneva to meet the Russian foreign minister. This after a round of diplomacy last week failed to achieve any breakthroughs. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken arrived in Ukraine this morning in a quickly organized last-minute, maybe last-ditch, effort to avoid a Russian invasion of the country. He tried to reassure Ukraine's president the U.S. has his back. So the president asked me to underscore once again uh, our commitment uh, to Ukraine's territorial integrity, to its sovereignty, uh, to its independence. Blinken earlier met with U.S. Embassy staff discussing contingencies should a wider war break out. Russia has denied reports it's already thinning out its diplomatic staff. The significant buildup we've seen of Russian forces uh, near the uh, Ukrainian border, that gives uh, President Putin the capacity, uh, also on very short notice, uh, to take further aggressive action uh, against Ukraine. U.S. and Ukrainian officials say Russia already has the forces it needs for an attack. So let's be clear. Our view is this is an extremely dangerous situation. We're now at a stage where Russia could at any point launch an attack in Ukraine. More than 100,000 Russian troops, they claim to be carrying out drills, are positioned along Ukraine's borders to the north, south and east, where they're also already inside Ukraine in two pro-Russian enclaves. Columns of Russian tanks recently moved into neighboring Belarus, which could open yet another front. Russia is also no longer distracted by an uprising in nearby Kazakhstan, which security forces backed by Putin quickly put down. 
All that's missing now is a decision by President Putin to invade or not. There is potential for a hybrid war, combining conventional and cyber. Ukraine was hit by cyber attacks last week, temporarily shutting down dozens of government websites. They blamed pro-Russian hackers. Russia says it is the one under threat from years of NATO expansion following the collapse of the Soviet Union. What Russia is demanding is that NATO offer guarantees that it won't expand into Ukraine, into Georgia, and that NATO actually shrink, giving up much of Eastern Europe and the Baltics. NATO says that is a non-starter, and the Secretary General of NATO just yesterday said the possibility of war is real. Challenging situation. All right, I'll take it from here. Richard, thank you. All right, we've got uh, 16 minutes past the hour. Look at everybody. Al's Yay! back. Savannah's back. Yeah. What you got, Mr. Roker? Well, we got some more weather now. Let's show you what <laughs> we're looking at. Some really cold temperatures out there. In fact, we are talking about wind chill advisories and warnings uh, stretching from the Dakotas all the way into Iowa and parts of Wisconsin. Temperatures feeling like 45 below or worse. Now, in fact, right now, it feels like 24 below in Glenda, Bill Bismarck, minus 30, minus 3 in Omaha. Feels like 4 below in Marquette, 2 in Madison. This afternoon, temperatures still way below average, even though this is winter. 14 in Pierre, 21 Chicago, 5 Minneapolis. Tulsa, you're 10 degrees colder with 39, and that starts to move to the east tomorrow, with Chicago only getting into the mid-teens. 20 in St. Louis, Pittsburgh, 23, 30 in Memphis, and those temperatures expand east, and you can see by the weekend, everybody anywhere 10 to 20 degrees below average. Plus, we're watching this active cold front today. Rain, snow, and sleet in the Tennessee River Valley. Severe storms firing up on the south side of this front through the west central Gulf Coast tomorrow. Quick hit of snow from Washington to New York. Light snow amounts. Again, nothing too terrible. Rain will change to snow. You can see generally the mountains of the Appalachians. We're also looking at a little area of about two inches from New York City down to Washington, D.C., and a little more as you get into New England. And that's your latest weather. Guys. All right, Al, thank you. Thank yeah. you, Al. Coming out the spotlight on increasing crime rates and homelessness in major cities across the country as violent and unprovoked attacks fuel urgent calls for action. Plus, call it Cool Runnings 2.0. Jamaica's four-man bobsled team qualifying for the Winter Olympics the first time, guys, in 24 years. We're going to talk live with two members about that story and the history they hope to make and why it means so much to the island nation. But first... This is Today on NBC. We're back. It's uh, 7.30, and we want to let you guys know that tomorrow on Today, we're going to sit down with Bob Saget's wife, Kelly Rizzo. She opens up to, she opens up to honor her late husband. A lot of people wonder how she's doing, so yeah. we'll have a chance to sit and visit with I'm her. I'm sure this or nice. outpouring means yes. so much to her. Indeed. People really mourning him and yeah. appreciating him. Mm -hmm. Let's get a check of your headlines here at 730. The House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol attack issued subpoenas yesterday to Rudy Giuliani and three other allies of former President Donald Trump. The panel is demanding testimony from Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, and Boris Epstein. All four were involved in efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Police body cameras captured the dramatic moments after an explosion yesterday at a New York City apartment building. 
One person died. Eight others were hurt in that blast. The explosion led to a massive fire and a partial building collapse. This video shows police officers running into that building. They lifted a woman off a couch. She was trapped under the rubble. They carried her out of that burning home. The cause of that explosion is still under investigation. New details this morning on that massive volcanic eruption near Tonga last weekend. Scientists now say the explosive force was 600 times as powerful as the nuclear bomb dropped on Hiroshima, Japan in World War II. They say it was likely one of the loudest events on the planet in the past 100 years. In fact, so powerful, it could be heard in Alaska. Meantime, two New Zealand Navy vessels will arrive in Tonga on Friday, carrying critical water supplies and other assistance for the Pacific Island nation. Also this morning, two high-profile and fatal attacks under investigation, one on each coast. And it's leading to new questions and concerns about the increasing rates of crime and homelessness in major cities. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin spoke to the father of one of those victims. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. Here in Los Angeles, authorities are offering a $250,000 reward for information leading to the capture of a man believed to have killed a 24-year-old woman. Her family now speaking out in the hope that her death sparks fundamental change. Overnight in Los Angeles, police releasing this surveillance video of the man they believe killed 24-year-old Brianna Cooper. The suspect, identified overnight by police as 31-year-old Sean Smith, seen at a nearby convenience store just 30 minutes after her murder. Authorities saying he should be considered armed and dangerous. Last Thursday, the UCLA graduate student was alone, working in a high-end furniture shop, when police say Smith, who is believed to be homeless, walked into the shop and stabbed her to death. He's carrying a backpack, which is consistent with homeless people carrying extra clothing with them. Moments before her murder, Coopfer texted a friend saying someone was in the shop giving her a bad vibe. But she was, you know, at 24, just coming into her own and a powerful young woman. Coopfer's father, Todd, devastated. <laughs> it's just not right. We have to put a stop to this. LA's police chief says he's alarmed about the growing impact of the city's housing crisis. The role of persons experiencing homelessness being both victims and suspects in the, in the crime of homicide, shooting violence, has increased year over year. But homeless advocates argue the issue is more nuanced. It's not fair to say that a homeless person committed a crime because they're homeless any more than we say somebody who's housed committed a crime because they're housed. Across the country in New York City, mourners gathering late Tuesday to remember 40-year-old Michelle Goh, who was pushed in front of an oncoming subway train. Police say the attack was unprovoked and without warning. Her accused killer, a 61-year-old homeless man, turned himself into police. What'd you do? Did you push the woman on the tracks? Yeah, because I'm good. Yes, I did. Why? What'd you do? Why? Why, Simon? In a statement, Goh's family saying her life was taken too soon in a senseless act of violence, and we pray she gets the justice she deserves. According to the latest police statistics, cities across the country are combating skyrocketing crime, fueled mainly by gangs and guns. But some believe people living on the streets who are not getting the critical services they need to survive may be contributing too. A recent survey of mayors nationwide found many of them feel they don't have the resources or the power to deal with the crisis. These stats, these lives are speaking to mental health, substance abuse, housing, and ensuring that people who are a danger to the public are not allowed to remain in our city streets. 
Experts point to a number of factors that have contributed to the rise in crime, especially here in California. Pandemic-related trial delays, no or low bail policies, the release of thousands of inmates to avoid COVID breakouts, prosecutorial leniency, the list goes on. It's a justice system issue that critics argue can't be fixed overnight. Guys? challenging problem. All right, Aaron, thank you. All right, coming up next, uh, the Winter Olympics, just 15 days away and a fan favorite already emerging. Yeah, that's right. Get ready to feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme all over again because the four-man Jamaican bobsled team is set to compete for the first time in more than two decades at the Olympics. And we're going to chat with two of its stars right there, right after this. <laughs> back at 739 with our countdown to the Winter Olympics. The action begins in just 15 wow. days. Can't believe it. And this morning, we can tell you that for the first time in more than two decades, Jamaica will be competing in the four-man bobsled. Uh, we're going to talk to two members of that team in just a moment. But first, NBC's Carrie Sanders has more on the determined athletes who didn't let pesky warm weather get in the way of their dreams. <laughs> hey, Carrie. Good morning, guys. You know, the Winter Olympics for us is all about Team USA, but there is an island nation about an hour and 20 minutes from here, known for its beaches and palm trees like we have right here in Miami, that captured our hearts before and may again capture our hearts as they're heading to, yes, the Winter Olympics. And across the island nation, there's one refrain this morning, Yaman. Jamaica's first Olympic bobsled team in 1988 inspired a movie. Cool runnings captured the start of Jamaican bobsled, and this year, a new group of athletes is hoping to carry on that legacy. For the first time in more than two decades, a four-man bobsled team from Jamaica has qualified for the Olympics. When the Jamaican bobsled team made its Olympic debut at the Calgary Winter Games, they had a brutal crash. But their walk to the finish line charmed the world. Chris Stokes was part of that original team. If John Candy were still with us as coach, what would he tell these guys? <laughs> you know, a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but if you're not good enough without it, you're not good enough with it. The tropical country's warm weather climate does not make training for winter sports easy. Pilot Shan Wayne Stevens, who serves in the UK Royal Air Force, once got a laugh from the Queen herself talking about his methods. How do you train? Uh, so uh, during the lockdown, unfortunately, with all the gyms and everything closed, oh, yeah. we to sort of resort to unorthodox sort of training methods. So I've been uh, pushing a car up and down the street. I've had to make a gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose that's one way to train. In Beijing, Team Jamaica will make even more history, qualifying in the two-man bobsled and the new women's monobob event. And for the first time, Jamaica will have an Olympic alpine skier. Three million people on this little dot in the Caribbean. And to see what we are doing, it's, it's absolutely amazing. 
Might there be a sequel to the movie? Who knows? But let's just hope in competition there are no sequel crashes. Right, guys? All right, Carrie, thank you. We're so happy to welcome in two members of the 2022 Jamaican bobsled Olympic team, the pilot, Sean Wayne Stevens, and brakeman, Nimroy Target. Guys, good morning. N congratulations. I love the flag waving. Nimroy, this is your first Olympic game. So tell us how it feels. Well, um, I am absolutely buzzing. Um, I am happy. I am proud of myself and my teammate and what we have accomplished. And we are prepared to go to the Olympics to put on a great show. Sean Wayne, you guys have worked so yeah. hard. You're the pilot for the team. You've got the two-man, the four-man, and you guys have really been a force. So, you know, this isn't a surprise, at least not to you, right? Uh, no, absolutely not. We've put in a lot of hard work the last four years to achieve what we've achieved. And like uh, it said in the, in the VT, um, over the lockdown, we've even come up with our own ways of getting the training done because we didn't want to leave any stone unturned uh, when it came to qualifying for the game. So we can now look back and say, look, we did absolutely everything that we could have done to achieve our goal, and, and we've achieved it. Well, we loved how you were talking to the queen, and you told her about <laughs> pushing that car, and you got a giggle out of her. What was that moment like for you? No, that was amazing. Um, just to be able to, to tell the, the queen about uh, our sport and, and, and how we train and stuff like that, and for her to actually uh, react the way she reacted, uh, it, was, it was an awesome feeling. Well, Nimroy, you know, when you're on the Jamaican bobsled team, you don't just have Jamaica rooting for you. Yeah. You really have the whole world rooting for you. What does it mean to the country and to, to the Olympic effort? Um, definitely, it, it means a lot to Jamaica, knowing that we are a tropical country uh, with no snow, no <laughs> um, proper training facility to train for um, winter sport. And uh, what we have accomplished, it, it's really amazing. Well, you know, uh, a lot of people are familiar with the movie Cool Runnings, and we know it's based on that true story. Did you guys get a chance to talk to the other four-man bobsled team? Do they have any advice for you? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, the original driver, uh, Dudley Stokes, um, he used to be my, my driver coach. Um, unfortunately, he's not uh, a part of the program anymore, but he used to be uh, our driver coach. And we had uh, countless hours where he was telling stories of, how they used to race and, 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 and stuff like that back in the day. So uh, he's passed on a lot of knowledge on to me. And then uh, hopefully I can pass on some of my knowledge that I've learned myself to the, the next generation of Jamaica Bob State pilots and, and athletes as well. Well, you're part of a great legacy. Yeah. We're so proud of you, happy for you, all your hard work. Thank you for being with us this morning. Congrats, guys. Thank you very much. That smile. Go Jamaica. Yeah, I love it. Wow. So good. Up. By the way, join us again tomorrow. We're going to mark two weeks oh. to go until the Winter Olympics. 16-year-old figure skater Alyssa Liu and hockey star Hillary Knight will be our live guest. Plus, we've got a first look at Team USA's opening ceremony outfits. Love I to always see like the outfits. to see that. We want to see what those are going to be like. And a reminder, you can catch the games. Of course, they start February 3rd right here on NBC, streaming on Peacock. Mr. Roker, a couple of weeks away. That's right. Uh, my mom's Jamaican, so oh, yeah, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Although I'd be willing to be there, John Candy, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Let's show you what we're talking about. Now we've been talking about this late week storm. Uh, now the models are starting to reach agreement. The American models track is really unchanged from yesterday. Primary impact: the mid-Atlantic, southeastern Atlantic. The European model was closer to the coast and had a more of an impact from Raleigh up to Boston. But guess what? The European model now agreeing with the U. 
U.S. model. Yes, we always love it when models get together, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, the track moves away from the coast. Heavy snow missing the northeast. However, we do have winter storm watches for the southeast. Eight million people from Raleigh to Columbia, New Burr and the Outer Banks. We're talking icy roads, sidewalks, maybe some power outages from eastern Georgia all the way to eastern the Carolinas. Snowfall amounts, heavier amounts down to the south uh, from Norfolk just to the north of New Bern. Could be heavy, but otherwise light to moderate as you move inland. And so that's good news. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Still ahead, an NBC News exclusive. Kate Snow revealing what Snapchat is ready to do to fight back against people using the app to push dangerous counterfeit pills. Plus the question some parents are asking, is it enough? That and more right after these messages. Who could forget the let it go craze? There couldn't be a bigger song, <laughs> bigger than, than that Frozen no, song, there right? Be, right? Well, coming up on Popstart, how a song from Lin-Manuel Miranda all about Bruno just pulled off an incredible feat. Coming up next, your 8 o'clock hour.